the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in with a guest who will recount his personal experience stepping into his family's business enterprise and stepping on many toes in a short time. That's indeed David Bentel, who uh, has written a fantastic book, Dear Younger Me, Wisdom for Family Enterprise Successors. And uh, that's something I'm very passionate about. I know the book came out a little while ago, and um, and there's certainly a lot of lessons to be learned for all of our uh, for all of our family business owners that might be tuning in, and frankly anybody else. David, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. Uh, I, I did step on a lot of toes, Shalom, but uh, I got to learn to dance better. <laughs> you got to learn how to dance better. Well, David, you are the founder of Next Step Advisors, and you've been advising family enterprises for over 25 years. So you've probably learned a thing or two. You've also personally experienced succession in your family's real estate and construction business. And you're now a gifted author, coach, speaker, and facilitator. So you're pretty candid um, in the book, Dear Younger Me, Wisdom for Family Enterprise Successors. What message is Dear Younger Me? What's sharing from all of your reflections? Shalom, I think I'll, I'd like to start by saying that uh, one of the things that caused me to step on a lot of toes was that I was inspired by great leaders uh, people like Churchill, who I read about, people like Vince Lombardi, who I watched coach the first Super Bowl when I was when I was a kid. I actually watched it live with my mom and dad just got a color TV uh, the week before. So I, I, I was a Vince Lombardi fan and a Churchill fan. And Shalom, I wanted to be like those great leaders who wouldn't want to be like them. The problem is that um, I wasn't going to war like Churchill was and I wasn't playing football like uh, Vince Lombardi was coaching his teams to do. And I, I brought their mantras, their approach into a family business. If you can imagine, you know, everyone knows Churchill said, never, never, never give up. I, I brought that approach to working with my uncle in our family business. So if we had an argument, I was never, never going to give up. Or when I was thinking about uh, Vince Lombardi as a as an inspiration, you know, he said, winning's not the most important thing. It's the only thing. Well, I wanted to win every argument. And uh, if you're going to be in a family enterprise, those, of the, those who are listening, if you're in a business, especially if you're in a family enterprise, you're not going to war. You're not playing football. You need different mentors. So, I, mean, I, 
I, I brought the wrong mentors. I, I, I tried to emulate the wrong people in the context I was, I was leading. Wow. Okay. Again, I'm chatting with David Bentel, who's the founder of Next Step Advisors. Has written, Dear Younger Me, um, definitely appreciate the perspective that you come in um, with. So what overall wisdom do you hope younger generations take from the book to forge better paths in their early careers, or as you said, to dance a little bit better? Well, yeah, so let's think about what was I doing wrong? As a result of those mentors, I, I totally, in hindsight, you know, it's easier looking back 25 years later, but I totally lacked humility. I thought I was right about everything. I totally lacked patience. I went to my uncle and he was our CEO, wanted to work with him and I wanted to succeed him. He was 55. I thought he'd retire in 10 years. So I wanted to get ready. And he said, you have to wait 20. And uh, I lacked patience and I lacked humility. And so the, the wisdom I'd like to impart to our listeners is that uh, we, uh, what I've done is I've developed a, a virtual wall of fame. And I would invite all of our listeners to consider doing that. In other words, I've developed a, a list of nine iconic leaders who I aspire to be like. So let's start with a couple of those. Benjamin Franklin and John Wooden are two of those. Benjamin Franklin has inspired me to be more humble. He made the most audacious statement. I listened to his audio book, and he said in, in his uh, autobiography, I decided, quote, to deny myself the privilege of ever disagreeing with anyone. And, you know, that, that's such a remarkable statement, but it's not just a nice idea. If we are humble in business, then we will listen to our employees when they've got ideas. We'll listen to our, our customers when they have recommendations. Michelin Tire became a, a global powerhouse because the leaders in the Michelin uh, family uh, were willing to listen to their employees. That's how they learned uh, and developed uh, the radial tire and became a global phenomenon because they were willing to listen. So first thing I would encourage our listeners to think about is let's be more like Benjamin Franklin. Let's not always have to disagree. Let's have more humility. And then Shalom, if I can mention a second one, I totally lack patience. John Wooden has become my virtual mentor in that respect. Most people would recognize that name. March Madness has just come and gone. You know, John Wooden was the coach of the UCLA Bruins, led them to 10 NCAA basketball championships. The man was extraordinarily patient. Uh, some of our listeners might have heard that at the beginning of every season, he would, look, he would sit down with his players and say to them, okay, gentlemen, we first need to learn how to put on our socks. Shalom, it takes a lot of patience to sit down with college students and tell them how to put on their socks. But he explained, if we're going to win an NCAA championship, we need to play better than our opposition. To play better than our opposition, we need to practice better. To practice better, we need to practice with intensity. To practice with intensity, we've got to avoid getting blisters on our feet. And to avoid getting blisters on our feet, we need to learn how to put on our socks properly. And so these are some of the mentors who've helped me to start cultivating uh, humility and patience. Am I making any sense? You, you certainly are, uh, David. Uh, you're making a lot of sense. And there's a lot of lessons that, again, as we said, younger generations can take from this fantastic read, Dear Younger Me, Wisdom for Family Enterprise Successors, um, which I know came out uh, a couple of years ago, but it's, it's just, uh, prior to co- super, just super, prior to COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's super relevant. We'll definitely get our listeners in touch with you. And of course, to find a copy of the book, I want to change gears for the remainder of our conversation and talk about family businesses. 
because I know you've spent a good part of your career advising clients who are part of a family enterprise. What particular issues do these types of companies tend to wrestle with? Well, everyone knows, thank you, Shalom. Everyone knows that succession is a challenge, you know, transitioning. And we've got a television program in its fourth season now that's uh, headlined with that uh, title. Succession is a challenge because it involves two very difficult uh, things to do. One is to transition the ownership of the business from one generation to the next. And the other is to transition the leadership from one generation to the next. And uh, in my experience, you know, I worked with our family companies for the first 20 years of my career and now I've been advising other families. And one of the things that trips up the next generation, and this is why I've written about it in Dear Younger Me, is that the, the members of the next generation will often lack the emotional intelligence necessary to interact with the others in the family. So I've illustrated that in terms of my, my impatience and my lack of humility. But, uh, you know, if I can just talk about it in a couple of other ways, members of the next generation often think they always know what's best. So rather than being curious, which is the third trait that I like to chat, chat about, if, rather than being curious about why has the elder generation always done it this certain way, rather than being more like Einstein who said, you know, I have no special talent, I'm just curious, we, next gens often come in assuming they know everything. And so, uh, Shalom, the, the biggest challenge that family members have, I think, is the next generation talk about wanting to take over rather than wanting to learn from the elder generation. And the last trait I'll talk about is listening. You know, I was not willing to listen to the elder generation teach me. I wanted to tell them. And, you know, I've been mentored virtually by Gandhi, who even wanted, he, he wanted to get the letters from his critics because he felt they could teach him. And so uh, the lesson that I would say that most family enterprise uh, successors, next gens really struggle with is having the emotional intelligence to be able to work and build good relationships with those that they're working with in the family enterprise. That's awesome. David, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your passion, your wisdom, your experiences, which not everybody does. So often uh, we tend to uh, wipe away some of our mistakes in the past, and uh, you have captured them in a Dear Younger Me Wisdom for Family Enterprise Successors. Lots of lessons for, uh, for really for everybody. It uh, doesn't need to be that younger me. I think everybody uh, yeah. has that little bit of youth um, in them. Yeah. So, uh, David Bentzel, uh, founder of Next Step Advisors, again, author of Dear Younger Me. How can we get in touch with you and pick up a copy of the book? Well, people, if they can just jump on my website, uh, nextstepadvisors.ca. I'd be delighted to, if people order direct from my website, I'm happy to sign the book and get it out to them and encourage them to think about developing their own personal wall of fame. You know, people like Walt Disney and Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela or some of the other people I talk about in my book because these folks can inspire us to take a different approach to the people we work with in our business, take a different approach to our family members, and frankly, build better relationships. David, appreciate you coming on. Um, we've got to squeeze in a quick break. More small business jobs and entrepreneurs when we return. Hey, we are back on the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I am so excited to be joined by Miriam Del Angel, who is, uh, well, there's many titles that indeed can be used, but today we're going to talk about uh, her being a Chicago-based HR professional who launched her new book, 
Latinas in Corporate. Miriam, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business background. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Um, again, my name is Miriam Del Angel. I'm born and raised in Chicago, and I've been in HR for about over 20 years, all mostly in a financial services area. Um, I'm currently working at Grant Thornton as a uh, people community leader, basically an HR leader, supporting various internal functions. I'm a mom of three amazing teenagers. And as you mentioned, I'm um, author of the new book, Latinas Incorporate, Overcoming Cultural Obstacles While Juggling a Career in a Family. And I'm also co-author in another book, Latinas Rising Up in HR, Volume 1, where we showcase uh, various women, including myself, on our journey into HR. Awesome. Fantastic. So I am really, really curious what prompted you to create this book. I know because I've written the book. It's a lot of work. So what, what, what was going on that, that, that made this happen? Well, you know, since, as, as I mentioned, I've been in HR for a long time. So I've seen the good, the bad, and the very ugly, right? And a lot of conversations I've had with um, women in general, um, and then specifically Latina, and just sharing their stories and, and the challenges that they face um, in that corporate world. It's a little better now, but, you know, 20 years ago, just coming into it and being Latina myself and experienced certain um, ways of, you know, climbing that ladder that I said, you know, there's a story to tell. And I continually speak to women weekly who come to me and say, hey, this happened to me. And, and they're shocked to hear that it's very common. So I thought, I need to share this story. I need women, especially Latinas, to feel heard and for them to know that they're not alone and that there's some resources and tools out there that we can help each other grow in the career ladder. Uh, awesome. Well, you certainly, uh, you certainly have, uh, have, have, have captured a lot of folks' attention. Um, it, it, the book, again, uh, Latinas in Corporate, is, uh, it tells the fictional but realistic stories of three women. I'm Correct. curious, why did you choose that structure and putting the book in this way? And tell us a little bit about the process. Right. So, you know, in books, you know, I, I did put data in there because I think data is very important to tell a story. And I did interview real women um, uh, anonymously because I did want them to feel comfortable, especially if they're still working in that organization. I didn't want them to get them in trouble, per se. Um, and then I give resources and tools. But the idea of the three fictional characters was more of making a little bit more fun to it and more realistic, right? Um, telling a story of individual, I decided to do uh, the first character is a Colombian out of Miami, but younger in her career ladder. The second character is Mexican and from Chicago, married with kids, um, you know, mid-career level. And then the last person is um, from Puerto Rico, but in New York about to retire and divorced, right? So I wanted to capture three different levels of careers where Latinas face different challenges within family, within even health, um, and then in relationships. So I thought I'd made it, make it fun so that it could be relatable to women out there. Awesome, fantastic. And I'm chatting with Miriam Del Angel, um, who has written uh, Latinas in Corporate. Um, it really is a great, uh, it's a great style and how you've shared so, so much. The fictional but realistic stories of three women. So let's talk about, of course, your, your personal background, your professional background, I should say. Um, you talked about, obviously, what you are doing in the corporate world. So you are a living embodiment to this. But I'm curious, you have a great front row seat. What are the issues that Latinas in the corporate world are facing today? And what do you think are the remedies? 
Right. So, for instance, there's data showing that for every dollar a white non-Latino man makes in corporate America, their Latina co-worker makes a mere 54 cents. In addition to being underpaid and underrepresented as a woman in the street, Latina often, you know, has different challenges as well. Um, I'm going to quote a little bit more data because I think that's so important for people to understand. Um, at the current rate of progress, it will take 29 years for the average U.S. company and 238 years of Latin American firms to reach gender parity on their executive team. There's only been two Latinas who have been CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, so there's just so many challenges for us to, to get to that level. And I think a lot of it has to do um, with ourselves as well as that confidence. So one of the things that I talk about in my book is confidence. I also talk about mental health. I talk about networking because, you know, unfortunately we're in this culture, the Latino culture where we say, Callaita te ves bonita, which means the quieter you are, the prettier you are, right? So we're trying to break that stereotype of that we need to speak up. We need to advocate for ourselves. And we can't just sit and put our heads down and do work hoping that someone will tap us in the shoulder. Unfortunately, that's not how corporate America works. And as if I've been meeting these women and interviewing them, that's what they think. They're like, like, down, hoping that someone, unfortunately, no. So we need to have better numbers and better data for women to get to those executive levels. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Chicago author, human resources professional. Um, that is Miriam Del Angel, who has launched Latinas Incorporate. It's a book that, fe- that presents stories examining real-life challenges of Latina women in the corporate world. So, uh, Marion, I have to ask, you, uh, you certainly, one of your titles, there are many, um, is Human Resources Professional. What is it that drew you into this, uh, into this very, very unique field? You know, I'm a people person. I love helping people, and I think I started off in college. I was a resident advisor, and I don't know if you know what a resident advisor is. It's basically HR on campus, right? Because you have to do the policy, the rules, create programming for your students and things like that. So I kind of fell into it um, when I was at the University of Illinois at Chicago. But unfortunately, they didn't have that type of career at that university. So I met with a counselor and said, you know what? I think you'd be great at HR. And I was like, what is HR? He's like, you're in such a, you know, in customer service. You, You like to help people. So I ended up transferring to Northeastern Illinois University who had at the time, 20 plus years ago, an HR program under their education program. Um, And I just went there and fell in love with it and just have grown from there. There's so many types of things you can do in HR from recruiting to diversity, to comp, to strategy, and just having a little bit of all as an HR business partner, most of my career, it's never a dull day. As you can imagine, it's like every day is something new, good or bad, but I enjoyed the challenge and helping people. And now through your book, you're certainly inspiring so many more in the future, future uh, generation coming in and in in future, hopefully, HR professionals and future Latinas in corporate. So that's a great segue as we start to come to the conclusion of our conversation. What are you hoping that readers will take away from this fantastic read? Well, I'm hoping that they feel heard, most importantly, that they feel heard, that they feel that they're not alone and that they feel that there are other women out there that are going through it, Latina or not, just all women in general, that you know, we all face similar themes, just maybe a little bit different, and that it's important that we talk about it, right? We have to break the stigma where we kind of like don't trust anybody and we, we need to help each other 
Um, it's funny because the last sentence in my book is be the Latina that helps other Latinas, because I think we need to help each other um, to grow and not only professionally, but personally, we all go, we all have a story, you know, female or male, we all have a story. And I, and I really want readers to feel connected to one of the characters um, and to know that there is help out there if they need it. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. So this is probably a really, really hard question to ask right now. And it's, uh, I know how much goes into writing a book, but do you have plans to write another one? You know, I've been thinking about it. I think the first thing I want to do is go on a book tour. But more importantly, in that book tour, not just going, you know, with the book and, and, and you know, sign the book, but having like panels of Latinas and corporate and kind of share their stories. So kind of build a community. And then based on that, maybe book two will come. I'll hear more stories. That's exciting. Well, um, you certainly have a lot to share in the book, and I hope everybody can get their hands on it. Um, purchase a copy for a friend. Hey, it's a great, uh, great uh, gift as well. Miriam, how can, how can we get in touch with you, and how can we find a copy of Latinas Incorporate? Right. So Latinas Incorporate is being sold currently on Amazon and also online at walmart.com and Barnes Noble's. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Miriam Delangelo, or on Instagram, Miriam HR Latina. And I'm also on Facebook, Miriam Delangelo. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your passion, your expertise with our listeners. We really appreciate it. And I hope everybody indeed will pick up a copy of this fantastic book. Um, we've got to cut to a very quick break with some headlines, commercials in just a moment. But in the meantime... Uh, be sure to check out our sponsors, Tom Urbali from healthplanchicago.com, healthplanchicago.com, or give them a call 630-863-3477 for all of your health insurance and Affordable Care Act questions. Tom Urbali, 630-863-3477. Again, a quick break. More small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return in just a minute. Thank you. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm joined by Lewis Scott, who is a highly respected attorney, sought-after speaker, and the owner of eight-figure firm consulting and Bader Scott Injury Lawyers. Lewis is known for his expertise in helping legal professionals optimize and grow their practice to eight figures yearly in predictable revenue. Lewis, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It's not often that uh, you have titles of attorney, entrepreneur, speaker, and author. Not all of those things tend to go together. Luis, you must have a story over here. How did, uh, how did attorney uh, Scott turn into entrepreneur Scott? Let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I've always had kind of like this bug to be an entrepreneur and the way that I got into law was I uh, had a judge many years ago who gave me an internship. I fell in love with the law and I decided to do this internship. And over that, that summer doing the internship, I met an attorney who owned a law firm and I saw his lifestyle. I saw how he lived his life and that he was helping people. And I became hooked. And I realized at that moment, I didn't want to be an attorney per se. I wanted to be a law firm owner. And that kind of like just sprung me into entrepreneurship. That's wild. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what you and your team are doing. I know you're the managing partner of Bader Scott Injury Lawyers, um, but you, uh, you're, you're really passionate about helping uh, so many in building their law firms as well. So what, what, what is the secret? What, what do our listeners need to know? And I'm going to say this uh, throughout the program today, but uh, are some of those tips relevant, not just in the world of, of law firms? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, business principles, uh, they can go across many, many different industries. Uh, I've told people before that I also own a barbershop. Uh, I've started other types of businesses as well. And they, they, it all translates to some degree. But what I realized when I was building the law firm is that there's, there's a, a couple of primary things that you have to do as a foundation. You have to have a plan. Uh, you have to have goals. You have to hire the right people. And you have to be, be sure to be able to market and sell. And if you can do those things, it works in any kind of industry, where you're, whether you're selling a product or selling a service. And as our firm began to grow and we reached almost 200 employees, I wanted to help other people do the exact same thing. So we started Eight Figure Firm Consulting for that purpose. How do we help other law firms experience the, the benefit and the blessing of having a firm that operates on its own? And so that was kind of like the genesis of starting the consulting business with those four pillars in mind, which is, you know, the, the planning and the sales and the marketing and the right people. And if you get that right, you can build any kind of business. Okay. So I want to dive just a little bit deeper into this. Again, I'm chatting with attorney Lewis Scott, um, who is also an entrepreneur, speaker, and author. We'll get people in touch with you very, very shortly. Um, but something that I've discovered about so many of our listeners that are business owners that are fortunate to call themselves entrepreneurs is that they know their area of expertise well. Maybe they're an accountant. Maybe they're a lawyer. They know what they're doing and they are relied on by their clients. How do you also develop a mindset of being an entrepreneur as well? I mean, I think entrepreneurship is the, the concept that I want to create and I want to, want to provide a service or a product that didn't exist and I want to be the one that's orchestrating the process of delivery. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is. It's more than just being the baker or the lawyer or the doctor. It's, I want to create a system that reaches more people. So that the, the spirit of entrepreneurship is just one spirit. And when I tell people it's just one spirit, what I mean is that there's, there's a spirit of nine to five. There's a spirit of people who want part-time work. There's a spirit of the nonprofit spirit, right? It's only one spirit, but that spirit is this idea that I want to be in charge of the creation process. I want to be fulfilling a service or product that doesn't exist. And I want to do it better than someone else for the benefit of humanity. And I think that's what makes you a great entrepreneur. Louis, uh, th that's awesome. That's fantastic. And one of the things that I've seen that you've written about and you've spoken about quite a bit is, uh, is developing a predictable business using yes. your business plan. So it's one thing to have that mindset. Now let's talk about actualizing it. What do you need to do to make sure you're building a plan and building a path that's unstoppable? Yeah. Predictability is the key to uh, true business. It, it's, it's not about profit. And this is something that I, I get a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, pushback on. I don't believe that building your business is about profit. It's about creating predictability. The more predictable it is, the better it is long term. I'd rather have a business that is predictably generating $100,000 of income for 25, 30 years than one that it has a roller coaster of profit. And so we really focus on creating predictability. And predictability is all about understanding your funnel of business, creating awareness. Awareness leads to, to new leads. New leads is sales opportunities, sales opportunities to production, production to efficiency. Efficiency ultimately leads to profit. So it's understanding your funnel and then working in the confines of your funnel to create predictability at every level. I once heard a quote, the speed of growth is tied to the speed of implementation. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I think you were the one that said that, Louis. So um, I'm really, really excited um, that you're sharing your passion. I hear it in your voice with our listeners. And I know that there's a lot about you online, and I know you're pretty accessible. But I want to make it super easy for everybody to reach uh, eight-figure firm consulting and the Bader Scott Injury Lawyers, but most importantly, attorney, entrepreneur, speaker, and author, Louis Scott. How can we do that? 
So you can go to my website. It's L-U-I-S Scott J-R.com. My first name, L-U-I-S-S-C-O-T-T-J-R.com. And they can reach all of my links right there. Fantastic. I know you've got a lot about you online and certainly uh, I encourage everybody to learn more. Uh, Eight-figure firm consulting. Um, You've already shared some great tips and advice right over here. Definitely get in touch uh, by visiting his his website, lewisscottjr.com and be sure to, uh, to Google. There's a lot of videos, lots of great content and information. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Coming up, we've got a very quick break. We'll be right back with more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I've been really excited for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. I'm joined by Glenn Gardone, who's the president of Red Chocolate and an experienced businessman. He spent over 30 years in the consumer packaged goods industry through a diverse mix of roles that have led him to be the entrepreneur he is at this point in his career. Um, He's worked at four of the top CPG, consumer packaged goods companies in the world, in various positions, pretty much every single position imaginable. And his goal is to spread entrepreneurial knowledge to as many people as possible. And that's exactly what we want to learn about today. Glenn, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and get a chance to chat with you. Absolutely. The only thing that can make this conversation better is if we were doing it in person with chocolate at the table and being able to share it with all of our listeners. But hey, this is radio. So Glenn, let's start by talking about you and your background before we talk about the best thing on earth, which is chocolate. Who are you, Glenn? So as you stated earlier, so I'm 30 years in consumer packaged goods. I spent the last 15 years, for lack of a better phrase, in what we would call private equity. And that's uh, working with smaller organizations and helping to build them and grow them and then, uh, you know, selling them to uh, other organizations that can make it larger and bigger and better than uh, I ever could. So uh, I've had the opportunity to work with some uh, amazing folks, but uh, my career has been surrounded by food. Surrounded by food, I can think of a lot worse things, but you've certainly picked the best kind of food imaginable. It's called red chocolate. We're going to talk about that. So what was it that drew you into this industry? It's a rough and tumble industry. It certainly uh, has its ups. It has its downs. But where did you catch this bug for, uh, for consumer packaged goods and business in general? You know, it's a great question. So uh, I'm not one of those folks that was lucky enough to find their passion early on in their life. I was probably in my 40s when I finally found my passion, but uh, knew that uh, whatever I was going to do was going to be part of the journey to help me, you know, build that uh, experience base and that expertise knowledge uh, that I would need future in the future of my life. So I actually fell backwards into it from uh, Coca-Cola, had an opportunity to join that organization. And uh, that's really how I stepped in at that point, I, I honestly didn't know a darn thing. I had a fresh college degree and said, okay, uh, let me figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do with this. And that's how I ended up in food. So I'd love it to be some great, wonderful story, how the, uh, the, st- the stars shone and the clouds parted, and I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea. Hey, but uh, you've certainly saw, uh, found your passion, and it comes across uh, infectious um, through even the uh, the radio waves. So thank you again for jumping on with us. I'm chatting with Glenn Gardone, the CEO of Red Chocolate, which, uh, as you see on your website, was born from passion. We know a lot of candies claim it, but I know you really mean it. So let's talk about the uh, the story of this company, 
where did Red get started? Well, you know, Red's been around about 20 years, and we're actually in about 28 countries at this point. Uh, I actually joined Red to bring it here to the U.S. about a little over three years ago. I had known Red Chocolate, so, uh, Shalom, I am a type 2 diabetic, okay? And I am, and I'll say it, I'm an unapologetic chocoholic. I love my chocolate. Mm -hmm. Problem is, chocolate doesn't love me. So I can't eat chocolate. And so through my travels, and I've had the opportunity to, travel internationally. I actually found red chocolate uh, at uh, a company called WH Smith and high street over in the UK. It fell in love with it. And so every time I'd go somewhere, I'd look for it and I'd buy as much as I possibly could. And uh, fast forward years later, uh, I had the opportunity to actually to sit down with the ownership group and really get a chance to understand who they were and what they were about and said, you know what, this is something that means something to me. I don't want to do the next widget, so to speak. And so I decided to uh, join forces with Red and bring them over here to the U.S., and it's been just a phenomenal ride. So this is, uh, this is personal for you, Glenn. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you have uh, your own personal story that, uh, that leads you to not just any consumer packaged goods, but something that you know is, uh, is both tasty um, but also uh, better for you, which is great. Um, it's the best darn chocolate on the planet. And I can speak personally to that because prior to this interview, um, I, had a, uh, I had a box waiting at my doorstep um, and my wife and I taste tested and we, we, we tried uh, all the different kinds. We had the, uh, the milk chocolate and the hazelnut and some of the blonde caramelized chocolate, everything under the sun. And they're really, really all delicious. If my wife was joining us, we can have an argument on the air about which one is the best. So let's talk about the line itself. No sugar added? That's that right. right. No, you're absolutely right. And again, refined sugars are what uh, what gives you all the fat, all the calories. And somebody like myself who's got a health issue, you can't have it because it just spikes the blood sugar. So we've, again, it took us three years to craft what became red chocolate. Uh, and we're actually owned by two families that are master chocolate makers. And their entire world you know, multiple generations are surrounded by chocolate. And so uh, they came up with this absolutely gorgeous chocolate. And uh, like I said, when I tried it for the first time, I fell in love because, you know, we don't like to call it healthy chocolate because it's chocolate, man. And chocolate is indulgent. We like to call it smart indulgence because I want you to indulge. I want you to enjoy. I want you to love it. But we'll do it a little bit smarter. And therefore, you really don't need the 40, you know, 40 grams of sugar that are in some of these chocolate bars or some have even more. You don't need it. There are smarter options out there. And Red happens to be the smartest of them all. That's awesome. I'm chatting with Glenn Gardone. We're talking about Red Chocolate, um, which, again, was introduced in the European market in 2006. And then in 2019, Glenn, um, you, I know, uh, brought this to the United States and it's been winning the hearts of chocolate lovers ever since. When we come back, from our break in just a moment, we're going to talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship um, and some of the lessons you've learned from your fascinating career in uh, consumer packaged goods. And uh, as my dad would say, it's all widgets. And so certainly some of the lessons learned I know can be applicable to every single one of you amazing listeners out there who get down to business. As always, you get on my website, shalomkline.com, and also get on your favorite podcast app. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, and share. It makes it easy for others to find the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're going to be right back, so don't touch that dial.
Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I'm chatting with Glenn Gardone, um, who brought red chocolate to the United States. And as you just heard before the break, red chocolate is a uh, smarter, uh, which I love that word, a smarter option and a smarter indulgence. Um, some great chocolates that's uh, actually better for you, which is great. Uh, Glenn has spent over 30 years in the consumer packaged goods industry um, through a variety of roles and certainly is sharing some of his entrepreneurial wisdom with all of us. So Glenn, I'm going to go to that comment that I made right before the break. Um, would you say that, uh, that, that some of the lessons you've learned in one uh, area or one industry actually has applied itself in the world of chocolates as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you think about it from a, from whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're, you know, a leader of a large organization, the, the tools necessary to be successful, to help your organization be successful, the people within that organization, really, you know, they cross between all different industries, all different barriers. You know, it, it's important, again, to be that positive influence, not only to the organization, but to the, you know, goal of, you know, everybody that works there. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about business in general. If you were to advise our listeners, if they remember only one thing from this conversation, one bit of advice that you've experienced in your, you know, several decades of being in business, what, what advice would that be? What should they put into action now in the weeks and months ahead? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I call it punching through the mud. And, and what I mean by that is whatever your plan is being an entrepreneur, know that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult road, but that's okay. Because if you truly believe in what you're doing and you truly can deliver on the expectations that you have and what consumers perceive as the value. And again, value isn't, you know, a price point or something like that. Value could be, how are you making my life better? Whether it be through whatever you're doing, whether you're consulting or a package or retail storefront. And you're going to have those days where it's tough and it's okay to take a knee, but you better get up and punch through the mud because I'll tell you, I don't think any Anybody could have uh, thought that there was going to be a global shutdown a couple of years ago, but a lot of companies had to, uh, you know, figure out how to make it in this uh, new world and how to be able to be successful, not only for the brand, but for everybody who's part of that, that organization. So, uh, Glenn, if you were to have a crystal ball and be able to look out at it, um, I'm curious if you can give your perspective on, on what we, we, we can watch out for in the coming five to 10 years ahead, certainly in the consumer packaged goods industry specifically, which I know you know a thing or two about, but just in <laughs> business in general, is this a good time to start a business? Yes, I, I think any time is a good time to start a business if there's a reason for it. And that's the biggest piece. And, you know, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, while you may think it's a great idea and, you know, your family thinks it's a wonderful idea, the idea being that, you know, you're all at the table, same table, getting the same paycheck. So go out, talk to your prospective customers, talk to people, get the idea from them. We are so consumer focused here at Red Chocolate because I want to make sure that what we're delivering on is what their expectations are. Because again, it's the old, you know, uh, under promise over deliver. And you always want to make sure. So it's not really a, a timing thing like, oh my goodness, this is happening in the world. Look, if you've got a great idea and it can be successful, you've got to make sure, again, talk to the who would be your consumers. If they agree with you because they're, quote, unquote, not on your payroll, then go for it, go hard, go fast, go strong. I love it. And my big takeaway in this conversation is you clearly have a mission. You clearly have something that's driving you and propelled you into red chocolate. And I know that's driving you and your team each and every day. 
that's good advice, certainly for all entrepreneurs tuning in. Glenn, we're out of time, and I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you. And of course, find your chocolates. Where can they do that? Best way to find us is you can go to red-chocolate.com. There you're going to hear about the history of red. See that, you know, read about our non-GMO products. We're kosher. We're gluten-free. We don't use cheap palm oils. Everything we do, we do for a reason. And then there you can go into our find a retailer spot. You can learn about the retailers or the Kroger chain we're in. BJ's happens to be one of our newest customers. And then you can even learn about our chef series. So we got a lot of ways to find out about us. Well, thank you, Glenn Gardone. That's a wrap for us here on Get Down to Business this week. We'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer to Success. Let's get down to business. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.